Acts chapter 12, we'll read verse 25 through chapter 13, verse number 4. Praise God. And we ask if you can to stand. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 12, verse 25 says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, John, whose surname was Mark. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, whose name was Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they ministered, or as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. I want to talk about embracing the shift. Embracing the shift. Father, thank you for this opportunity now to stand in this holy place and to share your holy word. Thank you for this message that you've given to us today concerning embracing the shift. Thank you for the shift that is taking place in our midst, Lord God. Thank you, God, for giving us understanding. And as we hear your word today, we pray that you'll open the scriptures to us, that we will further understand what it is that you're saying to us as a body of believers. Thank you, Lord God, for calling us into this work. Thank you for every assignment. Thank you for your anointing to accomplish what you've given us to accomplish. I pray now for a fresh anointing of your spirit, a fresh, a fresh anointing of your spirit so that I can minister under your anointing, that we will hear and receive under your anointing. The yokes will be destroyed and burdens removed. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Embracing the shift. Praise the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So, when we understand the heart of God, for the nations, we begin to more clearly see what God was doing in Jesus Christ and what he continues to do through his church. So whenever it is that we get to the point that we understand the heart of God, y'all listening, because everything we do today is tied into the heart of God and is important that we understand God's heart. Amen? As we give our lives to Jesus Christ, and when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, it's not just so we can carry the name Christian. It's so that we're in a place now where we can understand God's heart. <coughs> Amen? <coughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And this is critical. This is really, really critical for life and ministry. Critical. So we don't just come to church, okay? Uh, we don't, we're not here without any idea 
of what we're here for. We don't sing just to be singing or just because we have good voices and we don't have a choir and ushers just because people want to be seen. It's understanding God's heart for the nations that didn't start in the New Testament, but it started in the beginning, in the Old Testament, all right? And understanding that even when God called Abraham, God was showing that his desire was not just for those few people created, but God wanted a people unto himself that he would use, and through them, he would bless all peoples of the earth, all people groups of the earth. So it's important to understand God's heart. You and I are saved so that we participate with God in what he's doing in the earth realm. That's the reason, listen to me good, that's the reason that my will is not important. That's the reason that my desires are not important. Once I give my life to Jesus, it's what he wants out of my life. So I give my life to him, not just to be baptized and be a part of the church and die and go to heaven, but to participate with him in what he's doing in the time frame that I'm on the earth through me to advance his heart and the purposes of his heart and his will throughout the nations. Amen. Amen. It's important. It's very important. And as we, as we shift into this decade, it's more important now that the church, that believers in Jesus Christ, embrace God's heart. Because we've, we've moved, the church has moved so far away from God. We can never be the church apart from the Word of God. Never. We can never make decisions that go contrary to the Word of God and remain the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible does say God does not change. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So even though in the 20th century, this morning we were in our youth class and I was looking for a scripture and I said, where's the scripture found? And then I thought about Siri and I said, Siri, <laughs> even though technology changes, amen, the church does not change. The foundation remains the same. We may have different strategies. We may need to learn how to reach people in this generation, but the foundation doesn't change. And we have to understand that if we're to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to understand that we need to know what God's heart is so that we participate with God in what he's doing in the earth realm. That's so important, so important, so important, so important. And, 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 and in this process, and, and as I was preparing this, I, I was reminded of a song we haven't sang in a while, but we sang this song, Moving Forward. Move. I'm moving, I'm moving forward. I'm not looking back. Something, something, something. Y'all know the words. All right. When we said moving forward, we can't move forward without shifting. 
There's no way to move forward without shifting. And when I say that, I think of driving a car. And Pastor Sturdivant used this on Friday night. You know, uh, I learned how to drive on my daddy's pubwood truck, so we had to change gears. Yeah, and my dad had a pickup truck. He had to change gears. All right, on the pickup truck, it only had three gears. On the pulpit truck, it had five gears because you needed maximum impact when you have a load to carry. And sometimes you're down in the woods and you got to climb the hill, so you got to know what gear to put it in. All right, because, yeah, you can't, you can't go too far in first gear. Now, you don't pay attention to this in your automatic transmissions because... Because the transmission automatically changes. But if you listen closely, you will hear when the transmission changes. All right? Because to get into full driving mode and to go the speed you need to go to get the distance you need to go, the transmission has to be in the proper gear. So you can't go too far in first gear. Right? If you ever have a problem with your transmission, you'd hear it, you hear it kind of ramp up, you know, as you're going, it's not changing properly, you know. And soon the, the vehicle will kind of slow down because it's not getting the power that it needs. So and even with the automatic transmissions, it's going to change gears and it, until it gets to that fourth or the fifth gear. I like to talk about the fifth gear because I think about grace. Yeah, 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 yeah. And sometimes... The church doesn't make a lot of progress because we try to stay in first or second gear. We get in one gear and we want to stay there the whole time. But, but it's, it's, it's imperative if we're going to, to get into full and you're trying to get to Columbus, Ohio, and you don't want to try to drive 30 miles per hour to get to Columbus, Ohio. If you're like me, People say I drive fast. I man, I set my, <laughs> I get to the maximum speed I can drive with, 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 my, with my cruise control set so I can make good use of my time and my gas mileage. But, but the transmission has to change gears or we will not get to full driving mode. And, and so God was saying to us and was saying to us that, 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 that uh, oh, let me back up because I wrote, I was, I was thinking about this last night and wrote this down. Fuel economy is important, right? Yeah, you don't want a, uh, you don't want a, a car that, that doesn't have good fuel economy. So, so you get to this maximum gear, this fifth, fourth or fifth gear, and you save more gas, Fuel economy is important. Now, now, I want you all to apply these things spiritually because sometimes we get burned out because we're not in the right gear. Yep, I've been, I've been at that place. I felt burned out, and I realized that, that I wasn't in the right gear. You know, sometimes in the wrong gear, you want to blame other people, but you have to look at yourself. You really have to just turn the light on yourself and begin to examine yourself and, and see where you are and see where you've fallen. Because sometimes we can slip. We think we're, we can be doing the work of ministry, 
But we've kind of slipped away from the things that God wants us to do. We can get so busy doing the work of ministry. Now, this is not for everybody because everybody ain't doing the work of ministry. All right. Just be honest. Just tell the truth. And everybody's not doing the work of ministry. You're doing something, but you ain't doing the work of ministry. But sometimes in ministry, we can get so busy doing things, you know, and ministering to people and helping people that, that you kind of slip away from where you ought to be in the Lord, you know. That was a point I realized, hey, you know, I'm not listening to, 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 to sermons like I need to be listening to sermons. I'm not listening to Christian music like I need to be listening to Christian music. You know, yeah, I'm reading my devotionals and, you know, yeah, I'm reflecting, but there's something missing, you know. And, and, and so I realized that, 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 that I was getting burned out and I wasn't, I wasn't utilizing my fuel correctly. Ooh, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Yeah, yeah. In order to go the farthest distance, all right, we need to use our fuel correctly. Hmm. Somebody said to me the other day, I was talking to one of my pastor friends, our sons, he said, I've learned to put toxic people out of my life. Ooh, I said, woo. Toxic people. There are some people, they're not going anywhere. They don't want to do anything good. And all they want to do is pull you down. You don't need those kind of people in your life. They're toxic. They will poison you. They will poison the way you think. They will poison the way you deal with situations and circumstances. And after a while, you don't want to be anywhere near God and God's people. I don't know if anybody ever been there. Yeah. Sometimes you wonder why people don't want to be a part of the church. It's not the church people that's the problem. It's those toxic people they've been hanging around. You know, you can't find something negative to say about everybody in the church. First of all, you don't deal with everybody in the church. Maybe the circle that you deal with is toxic. Or somebody in the circle that you deal with is toxic. And they come, maybe you. <laughs> Woo! Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, maybe you're the one that's toxic. Something bad to say all everybody wrong. This ain't right. That ain't right. The other thing is not right. Well, you have a look at yourself to say, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, as we shift, as we shift in 2020, it's important that 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 we understand what God is doing and what God is saying, and that we rely on him. And I'm going to come back to that point in just a few moments. But we want to use our fuel correctly. Amen. So that gives us the greatest benefit. Praise the Lord. Now, last night or yesterday afternoon, Pastor Mercy Jones was preaching, and, and, and she said some important things about shifters of the kingdom. And I'm, I want to share those eight points not preach them, but just share the points that she shared with us for our benefit, all right, as we continue, because I, I want to I follow in that vein in the book of Acts for us today. The first point that she made was that 
Shifters of the kingdom, a kingdom shifters, must be trustworthy. They must be sincere. They, they, they must be people that won't betray us. Jesus said the kingdom shifters must be willing to help where they are needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just shared with you a few moments ago, if there's something that you want to do, let us know. We don't want you coming, sitting on Sunday and going back home, but there's work to be done in the kingdom. Kingdom shifters are armed for battle because we're in warfare. Every day we live, we're in warfare. Yeah, and we have to be ready for war. I don't need you getting ready. I need you ready. Amen. I need, I need you ready. Amen. Kingdom shifters always respect the Godhead. And she added in that respect the bishop as well. Because God has order that he set in the church. Amen. Amen. This is that every household, every household in the kingdom must actively participate in the shift. So every household in the local church must participate in the shift. So don't be, don't let it be that you're the only one out of your house that comes. If you're the head of the house, then you bring the whole house and you participate in the shift. All right? Uh, then she said, realize, I like the way she said it. I'm going to say it the way we used to say it. One monkey don't stop no show. But, of course, a decade double negative always means that you're saying something positive. Good for us to learn that. So if you say, you know, if you say it a, a, use a double negative, you're actually saying the positive. So one monkey does not spoil what God is doing. One person who wants to act different, one person who wants to act out of character, one person who wants to go contrary does not stop what God is doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then she said, always, kingdom shifters always have their finger on the pulse of the culture and they're getting solutions for problems. Kingdom shifters, kingdom shifters, yeah. And finally she said, kingdom shifters are loyal and orderly. Yeah, they keep rank. Keep reigning. When you read that scripture in, 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 in First Chronicles uh, chapter 10, uh, verse 33, 50,000 people, 50,000 people kept rank. 50,000 people, 50,000 people kept rank. There are not 50,000 people in here. But 50,000 kept rank. Kingdom shifters. Kingdom shifters. Kingdom shifters. So, as I was meditating and praying over these messages over the last few days and praying about the message for today, the Lord said to me that we must embrace the shift, all right? Um, so, I want to continue in this vein of, of the shifting, and we experienced last night, those of us that were here last night experienced a great shift. Amen. And our mindset. And we receive the prophetic word amen, over our lives and over our finances of shifting that will take place. I came to church this morning and got another seed. Praise the Lord. Amen. And because of the shift. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Actually, you know, I've been getting seed since before Christmas. Amen. People just coming and, and, and giving us, sending something in the mail. One pastor called me and said, Daddy, he said, 
He said, the church wants to bless you, so I'm going to send it to you. I thank God for that. Amen. Amen. Shifting, shifting, shifting. Because, see, I've been praying about some things. I've been kind of discouraged about some things, but, but I've been praying about some things because I want to see God do something different. Amen. I want to see that, that this work goes forward at home and abroad. And in order for that to go forward, a shift needs to take place. Amen. 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 So many times we're on one accord, at least verbally, uh, and it appears that we're on one accord on things, but, but there needs to be a shifting in people's mindset in order to fund the work of the kingdom. I heard Pastor Sturdivant testify that in a matter of six weeks, God gave them $48,000. Amen. And I realized that in order for us to move to where God wants us to move to, some people that God has given money to are going to have to have a different mindset about releasing that into the kingdom. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want you all to hear what God is saying today. Yeah. And, and then, then as, as Trevor mentioned last night, when it comes to giving, it's not just about your money. Because for God to, for us to move to where God wants us to move to, then every gifted person in the house, and even those who don't realize that you're gifted yet, but you are, you need to release your gift into the kingdom so that your gift can be used in the kingdom. Amen. You, you, you've got to see what God has placed in you, amen, so that you can tap into that and release it into the kingdom. Release it into the kingdom. Yeah, because it needs to be released. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every individual for the benefit of us all. But if you sit on your gifting, then nobody else is going to be benefited. God wants every one of us benefited. So you got to find a place to plug in. You have to find a place to plug in. Amen. Amen. You'll find that if you're not plugged in, once you find that place to plug in, you're going to relieve the weight on someone else's shoulder. Because some people are overloaded with responsibilities that other people can be doing. Amen. But you got to release your gifting. You got to release your gifting. So, you know, I meant to say this earlier. So, so I need somebody to plan Black History Month. Amen. Release that gift in you. Because sometimes we just weigh, we weigh, and we, 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 Brother Kenton is very talented, Minister Sam, very talented, and we, we use our talent, talents, and sometimes we can use them up. Somebody else is gifted. Somebody else has resources. Amen. I don't mean to just point them out, but anyhow. Yeah. Somebody else's gift. Release it. There are people sitting on stuff, stuff you can do, and you're sitting on it. So vacation Bible school comes around before the end of February. Somebody needs to step up to the plate and say, Pastor, I will be the one responsible for coordinating vacation Bible school. Way in June. You got plenty of time. Plenty. Release that gift. Release those talents and those abilities. Release them into the kingdom. You're working on your job. You, 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 you're, you're being trained, you're learning all this stuff, and you're giving it all to the world. 
Now look at what God has done. And I'm, this is not the way I normally preach pointing people out. But you look at what God has done through Brother Trevor. And, and I, the only thing I asked him to do, I said, I want you to create a logo. That was three years ago, four years ago. And then he started creating the logo and began to find out that God had put more stuff in him. <laughs> and, 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 and now he started a whole business out of it. You see, when you release your gift to the kingdom, then God can take that gift and turn it around and you will not only bless the kingdom, but it will become a blessing in your house. It will become a blessing in your family as it blesses the kingdom. But you got to release it. You got to release it. You got to release it. What God has given you is first of all, for the kingdom. You got to realize that. First of all, for the kingdom. I don't care whether you agree or not. Why would God give you something to use out in the world? Why would God give you something to, to, to further the cause of Satan? Why? Why would the sovereign God, the holy God, the righteous God give you a gift to use in the world. You act like God can't bless you financially in the kingdom. So you got to go to the world. So you sell out. That's what you do. You sell out. Let me tell you. No, I can't tell you that. I can tell you part of it. Let me tell you what Christians will do. When they sell out, you got to compromise. You got to compromise your standard. You got to compromise your walk with God. You get to the point where you have to have money in order to operate. So before I go and preach, you got, I got to sign a contract with you. I cannot come to you unless you agree to pay me a certain amount of money. Because you sold out. You got all these people you got to pay. You see, the love of money becomes the root, or is the root of all evil. It'll take you to evil stuff. She didn't take an honorarium. She even gave. You know, you, we, we don't preach for money. If you think I'm preaching for money, you got another thought coming. You, if you think that you are my source, you have another thought coming. God is my source. God promised that he would supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I know you don't think like that, but I want us to understand because some people think that we preach for money. No, we don't preach for money. We preach because God called us to preach. Dublin places I've gone to preach and I was like, okay, you know, they ought to be able to do this. And I get that thought out of my mind because it's not about what people are able to do. There have been places I preached, you know, preached for, to three people. There have been places I preached, and I remember when I first started preaching, I drove all the way from Atlanta to home. And Atlanta to home is four hours. And they gave me $25, and I said, oh, Lord, have mercy. That wasn't enough to pay for my gas. 
to get from Atlanta to Blair. Are you understanding? But I could not hold that in my heart because God has promised to supply all of my need according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, when we started TOP, folk were canceling revival services on me. Pastors called me up and said, well, 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 the church decided we don't want you to come and preach. That's okay. So what they would pay me $300 for preaching five days, then the Lord fixed it so I would go somewhere and preach one time and the folk would give me an honorarium of $2,000. So just God will supply your need. Not that I was preaching for money, but God will supply your need. Let me get back to my, to my message. Yeah, yeah. So if we're going to shift for maximum impact, and, and it's the maximum that we're looking for, all right? It's the maximum that we're looking for. Amen? And you, there's something I'm going to share with you after the message that you've got to understand, and you've got to see what God is going to do. You can't just not support this, all right? All right? Uh, we've got to understand our assignment. You must understand your assignment. All right? This assignment is for ministry. When I look at this text in Acts chapter 12, the Bible says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. So they didn't leave Jerusalem until they had fulfilled their ministry. They understood their assignment. All right? And and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Saul was in the midst. So we see a shifting from Jerusalem to Antioch. But the point I want to make here is they understood their assignment. Their assignment in general was preaching the gospel and planting churches. All right? We must understand our assignment, church. Our assignment is evangelizing the world, preaching the gospel, spreading the good news that Jesus Christ has come into this world, that he has died for our sins, God raised him from the dead so that we can be saved. And it's not just about us. Amen. Once we get saved, we've got to take this message out to the masses. That's our assignment. That's our assignment. Every born-again believer has the same assignment. You may have different giftings, but it's the same assignment. How do you use your gifting to advance the cause of Christ? So it's not about you. It's not about you. It's, even though we come and we have needs, okay, you may come to church on Sunday and you're down and you're depressed, don't stay at home. Come on to the house of the Lord because something will happen that will lift your spirit. Oh, yeah, something will happen that will lift you. you got to understand that you have an assignment. You have an assignment. Your assignment cannot afford for you to be out of commission. No, it cannot afford for you to be out of commission. <laughs> Pastor Mercy said, you can't go AWOL. You are needed. You are needed in ministry. You are needed to spread. Now, what does that say? If we would use a military analogy that says you need to understand how to use your weapon because you are in battle and you don't want to go to war unprepared. 
You don't want to. You don't want to. You don't know when the Lord is going to present a ministry opportunity to you. You got to be ready. You can't be running back to the church and say, oh, pastor, I need you to teach me this and teach me that. No, you got to be ready. So, so in this preparation stage, some of us have been through boot camp. Amen. We got some generals in the house. We got some sergeants. We got some captains. Amen. We got some lieutenants in the house. But there's some people that are still in boot camp. But you got to come to boot camp. You got to come to the teaching. You have to see the value in the teaching and come so that you can learn and so that you can get prepared because there is an assignment on your life. There's an assignment. It's an assignment for ministry. You've got to understand your assignment. You've got to understand your assignment. They understood their assignment. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean that in the midst of your assignment, the trouble won't come. Trouble is going to come. When we meet Saul in the scriptures, what is Saul doing? Persecuting the church. But Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Saul was converted. Persecuting Christians was not his kingdom assignment. His kingdom assignment was preaching the gospel evangelizing, winning souls, planting churches. You may be doing something, but it's not your assignment. What is your assignment? What is your general assignment? I just told you. What is it? Preaching the gospel, evangelizing, winning souls, planting churches. You know, some people say there are enough churches around. Well, you need to do the research. There's not enough churches around. There needs to be some more churches. There's some places there are no churches. There's some places in the world where there are no churches. There's some places in the world where there are churches, but folk are not going. There's some people sitting up in churches, they're not being taught their kingdom assignment. They're just going to church and they're getting something to fulfill that religious responsibility. But I want you to know, I want every one of you to know that you are a royal priesthood. Amen. That there's an assignment on your life that the gift of the Holy Ghost has been given to you. Amen. So that you can be a part of this work and you need to understand and fulfill your assignment. So when we meet Saul in chapter 12, even though he met Jesus early, he's already operating in his assignment. You, Bishop, are you saying that I'm supposed to be a preacher? What? Am I? Am I? Y'all scared to answer. Every one of us are proclaimers of the gospel. Come on now, you cannot be a believer in Jesus Christ and not be a proclaimer of the gospel. Every one of us should be able to give an answer for the hope that lies in us. Every one of us. Every one of us. So you may not have the title elder, minister, but you're actually a minister of the gospel. You are actually a minister of the gospel. And everywhere you are, just think about this. 
Think about the variety of places where we live. Think about the variety of jobs where we work. Think about it. Think about the number of people that we come in contact with. Wow. The impact that this body alone can have in the world to, bring, to spread the gospel and bring people into the knowledge of, 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 of saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Just think about it. If this group in here alone understood our assignment, think about it. We got to get here because everybody is not here. You, you got to see yourself as a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of you really see yourself as a proclaimer? I don't know what to say. See, I ain't get but two hands go up. How many of y'all see yourself as a proclaimer of the gospel? Well, that's better. So that means the rest of you all need to come and sit down and have a little talk with me and get in, in boot camp because you are a proclaimer of the gospel. You have a responsibility. Do you think that when you stand before God in judgment that you can say to God, I didn't know I was supposed to be doing that? He said, but on January 5th, 2020, you were sitting at Tabernacle of Praise and the bishop, the preacher told you that you had a kingdom assignment to proclaim the gospel. Job said, my witness is in heaven and my record is on high. What do you think your record is? It's not down at the courthouse of York, South Carolina. Your spiritual record is on high. God knows your name. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? He knows your name. He knows your address. He knows the number of hair that's on your head. He knows all about you. So you can't stand there. I'm telling you now, and you're held accountable for, for this message. I'm telling you now. You have a kingdom assignment. I don't care what, if any other preacher tells you you don't have an assignment, they're lying. You have a kingdom assignment. Amen, Walls. Understand your assignment. And when we look at the scripture, look at what it says. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, which probably meant he was a black man. All right? He came out of Africa somewhere. Niger, well, you know why they used to call us. All right? All right? But Niger means that he was black. Okay? Probably came out of what was then Ethiopia. So don't let anybody tell you that the scriptures of the church is, and the Christianity is a white man's religion. Black folk have been in this thing from the very beginning. Amen. Philip, the Ethiopian eunuch, where is Ethiopia? Is it North Africa? Y'all stop listening to these foolish people that don't know what they're talking about. Just foolish. People hear stuff and they jump on the bandwagon. You got to do the research and you got to research the right people. So the Coptic church which is believed Philip was the bishop of the Coptic, Coptic church, which still exists in Ethiopia. Started from this man who met Jesus on the road after, his resurre after Jesus' resurrection. 
Lord, have mercy. How many of y'all heard that foolishness? You know, these, Af- these pan-African people running around here. Telling y'all, y'all worshiping the wrong God. These white people taught y'all that Christianity to enslave you. Jesus said, he that the Son sets free is free indeed. He didn't come to enslave you. He came to set you free. Now, that's not saying that people didn't use the Bible to keep people enslaved, and they did, but they were misinterpreting Scripture. So when you pull people away from the true Christ because of your misinterpretation of Scripture, then you're just as guilty as people who misinterpreted it earlier. You are still enslaving people. You're enslaving them in their minds. And the worst bondage is a mental bondage. Paul said, if you don't believe, the, those that don't believe the gospel, their minds have been blinded by Satan. When your mind is blind, it doesn't matter what your eye sees. So anyway, Niger, that's how I got there. I was talking about this black man in the scripture. Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up or who was a brother or who had been raised in a household with Herod, Herod the Tetra, and Saul. These five people, it identifies them as leaders in the church, okay? And the Bible says here, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. So if we're going to embrace the shift, the thing that has to characterize tabernacle of praise is that we are ministering to the Lord and we're fasting. That has to characterize us. If you participated in the fast this week, then you found out last night what opening yourself up to the Lord will do. You find out when you begin to fast and you begin to pray, and notice it said they ministered to the Lord. Okay. Now, now, when you look at the word, it really means they worship the Lord. Now, it's critical that we see what's happening because their worship was not about lifting themselves up. So we have to be very careful that what we offer is unto the Lord, that when we, when we come together in worship, we're doing it as unto the Lord. Amen. So when I'm worshiping unto the Lord, I mean, I can come in and preach and I don't have to see you all because I'm doing what God told me to do. I can come and sing and you don't have to participate because I'm doing what the Lord told me to do. I want you to participate, but my ministry is actually not to you. It's to the Lord. So when I get my focus right, see, 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 when we start looking at people, we get discouraged. Because you see people that are just uninterested. When I would, when Pastor Amos said, Bishop used to have fire when he got old. <laughs> and I would look at, and people weren't responding, and I would say, these people are not getting it. But they were getting it. It's just that it wasn't their custom to respond to the preacher like that. You know, people want a fiery preacher to come into their congregations, but the people are not fiery. And they don't realize it. It helps when you got some fiery people. But that's okay. But you're getting to judging people. But, but, but your ministry 
has to be unto the Lord. So when we worship, we're not worshiping so you can see us. So it doesn't matter how you respond. I want our praise and worship ministry to remember this. All right, you worship the Lord. You just get up here and worship the Lord. I mean, you forget about anything and everybody else and you just worship the Lord. And those people in the congregation who understand worshiping the Lord will join in the worship. It does not matter what anybody else is doing. Of course, we don't want people to be distracting, but we want to join in and worship the Lord. They fasted. They ministered to the Lord through fasting. They ministered and fasted to the Lord. I think that's how it said it. They ministered to the Lord and fasted. The church has to be characterized. So every time we come together, it's the Lord. It's not us. I don't care how good we can sing. It's the Lord. And it's not us. I like to hear people use their voice and, and do all the turns and the twirls and what have you. But after a while, you stop singing and you're doing all these turns and twirls, you're showing people your range and your ability. And then we get into, this is what we do. Sing, Shalete. How are you doing it now? Sing, Jonathan. That's what we get into. Don't we do it? And we forget in that moment that it's unto the Lord. And we start looking at flesh. And it's easy to slip into that mode. When we say, preach, preacher. Oh, he preached. I hate it. Lord knows I hate it. When the preacher's preaching good and then these other preachers up in the pulpit laughing and, and slapping and going, slapping the preacher on the back. What are we doing? Where is the focus? The focus is on the Lord, not on the preacher. Y'all hearing, they minister to the Lord. This is one of the shifts that's taking place in, in, in tabernacle of praise. We're in the word more. We really are. When we're sharing these devotionals, we're in the word more. We're, we're praying together more. Tuesday night, we're praying together more. I know some people don't join in, but we're getting there. There's a shift because the church never goes anywhere without fasting and praying. Amen. We got to fast, and we got to do it more. We got to do it more, and we got to remember that we're ministering to the Lord, and our ministry is not just in the sanctuary because God will use us through the, our worship is not just in the sanctuary, but we worship the Lord through our service to others. So, so when I'm in Walmart and I see someone, the Holy Spirit shows me someone, amen, that needs to be ministered to, and I go and begin to minister to them, I may be directly ministering to them, but ultimately I'm ministering unto the Lord. Now my spirit man is open. Now my spirit man is open so that I begin to see what God is doing and how God wants to use me. So it takes me beyond myself. Focus is not on me. Focus is on the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. I don't have a clock. I left my watch at home, so I don't know how long I'm preaching. But It really doesn't matter. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When we look at the church at Antioch, one of the things in the commentary, and I wrote this word down, the commentary said the climate was right. The climate was right. Now think about it. For things to happen, 
the climate has to be right. For plants to grow, the climate has to be right. Are you understanding me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Once the climate is right, revelation knowledge can come forward. Whew. This is where ministering to the Lord comes in at. Because if you want to experience a you want to experience miracles, signs, and wonders, the climate has to be right. You ever notice? And not to just lift up a person, but I notice, you know, if you notice in, in Benny Hinn's crusades, when it came time to really minister to the people, they didn't just start ministering. They set the atmosphere. Set the climate. The climate has to be right. So it comes with ministering to the Lord. So when you want to see God move or you want to experience the move of God, make sure you come and help set the climate. Don't wait on the praise and worship ministry to set the climate. What is your climate like? What temperature did you leave home with? Where were you when you got out of bed this morning? What upset your apple cart? that you didn't get over? Did you fuss with your spouse on the way to church? Or did you fuss with your mother or your father? You didn't want to get out of the bed. What is your climate right? It, like? What was it like when you came? So when you come in the sanctuary, how do you help us set the climate? We're not ushering in the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is already here. We're set in the climate. If you're going to cook some stew beef, you ain't going to cook it on low. You got to get the pot right. You got to set the climate. You're going to bake a cake on 200 degrees? I don't know what you'll end up having. The climate! Somebody say climb it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Climate has to be right. So saints, let's learn to set the climate and let's keep the climate right. But it comes with us ministering to, to the Lord. And you don't wait till you get to the sanctuary. You got to minister to the Lord at home, alone, by yourself. So that when you come, the temperature in your life is already right. Let me tell you something. The temperature in your life is not going to be right if you don't spend time in the presence of the Lord. It's not going to be right. You can sing all the secular songs you want to sing and get to church, and because you got a good voice, you start singing a gospel song, a spiritual song. The climate is not right. Climate got to be right. With any preacher, you can spend all week long doing the things that you want to do and get up on Sunday and expect to preach, but you got to have the climate right in your life. Whew. Help us today. Yeah. So if we want the if we want to continue in the shift of the Lord, Amen, Amen. Which is the Lord's will, Amen. If we want to move forward and keep on moving forward to where He is, Amen. To get involved in what God is doing in the earth realm, we must remember that in the shift, Amen. The climate has to be right. 
fasting and praying, ministering to the Lord, ministering to the Lord. Hallelujah. Then notice that as they ministered to the Lord, the Scripture says that the Holy Spirit said. Somebody said the Holy Spirit said. Mm. It didn't happen because they came together. It happened as they ministered to the Lord. The Holy Spirit spoke. And the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I've called them. Yeah. The Holy Spirit said. So we want the Holy Spirit to say, to say, to minister to the Lord. God, God, what is it? What is it that you want? Where do we want to go? What do, we, what do you want me to do? Now remember, look at this. The Scripture says, the Holy Spirit says, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, to the work. Somebody say work. It's not talking about work at, working at Bank of America. Not talking about working at Bojangles. It's the work of the ministry. You have an assignment. What is your assignment? What? That should be a resounding, spreading the gospel, evangelizing, planting churches. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work. It's an interesting little word. It's so common in the Greek language, in the English language as well. We know work. But here it's designating the missionary effort as a whole. Work is important. He didn't say separate me, Barnabas and Saul, to be consecrated as apostles. Listen to me. Now, I have not talked about this in the church in general. Okay? I've talked about this to our ministers. But the danger that we're facing today in the church world is that people are running after titles and they're not searching the scriptures to find out if we should be doing this. You know why I do not use the title apostle? Because the scripture plainly says that the apostles after Judas committed suicide, that to fulfill his bishopric, his responsibility, his office, it had to be one who had seen Jesus and had been with us from the beginning. Then when you look in Corinthians, it talks about those who do the signs of an apostle. So, even if you look at the scriptures and you see other people call apostles in the Bible, you got to understand the sense. The sense of it is that they were missionaries. They were doing the work of the ministry. So the title is not to lift us up. Even the title bishop is not to lift me up. And the offices have to be in the church. But it's not to lift me up. You've heard me say over and over again that a title is a a, a, a job is a job title. It's an area of responsibility. So a bishop is the chief servant in the church. He said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work, not for the title. 
People want titles. Somehow or another, titles make us feel good. You don't need a title to do the work, saints. Do the work. Do the work. Even in Timothy, when Paul talks about the, 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 the deacon, he says if he does his work well, it's focused on the work. Then he'll get the honor. It's focused. Somebody says focus on the work. Separate me for the work, not for the title, not for the honor, not for people to lift us up. But that's what's happening today. And what's happening, saints of God, is people are, people are reading, they're misinterpreting Scripture, and they're leaving things out, and they're not digging, and they're not searching, and they're saying, the Holy Spirit said. But if the Holy Spirit says, the Holy Spirit is going to say it in, conf in the confines of the Scriptures. It's going to say it in confines of the Scriptures. We've got a serious problem in the church. Work. God is shifting us for maximum impact in the work he's called us to do. Not in lifting people up in titles. Not in get folks caught up in positions. This is my position. If I can't do what I'm called to do, then I will not be involved. No, it's for the work. You can work without the title. He says, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. I'm almost done. This is the last point. Now, when you look at the Scripture, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I've called them. Then, having fasted and prayed, young people, y'all read it, y'all following me? Those of you all were in class this morning, you're in the Scripture? I taught you this this morning. And what did he do? What did they do? They laid hands on them. Now, I ought to be able to ask any one of my teenagers that was in class this morning the significance of the laying on of hands. Right, Jaden? Got it. Where's Joshua? <laughs> oh, boy, you, you don't want the pastor to call you out in the middle of his sermon and say, stand up and tell me what I said this morning, do you? Tell the truth and say the devil, no. And they laid hands on them, which means that they were authorizing them, amen, for the work of ministry, all right, and they sent them away. So being sent out by who? Y'all following me? By the Holy Spirit. Amen. I know I lost some people a minute or two ago, but that's okay. You'll come back. Glory to be to God. I don't mean it to harm. I just want to tell you the truth. And it's not my opinion. It is not my opinion. It's the word of God. Amen. And I'm sorry that people get upset and offended. Because when people do things wrong, it separates people. And it's hard to tell people that what they did was wrong because people think they're right. It's hard. Now people are hurt and they, they think you don't want, you don't like them anymore. You're not, tell me, tell me. 
I won't be offended. Nobody knew. Look at this scripture. The Holy Spirit just says, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work that I've called them to do. Now, I didn't talk about the calling, but the calling is important. And when you deal with this particular instance, it is a divine call for them to go, all right? We have a divine call to spread the gospel, general call, all right, for all of us, every believer. So as they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Ghost said, he didn't give them any details. He just said, separate me. Barnabas and Saul for the work. Now, in this generation, what we need to know, there is something about a need to know. We need to know, well, Pastor, you want me to do this, but, but, but what is it? We, we want a job description. Job descriptions are good, but we, we have a need to know. We pray, and we ask God for something, and we go back looking for the details. But when you look at this, Holy Spirit does not give them any details except separate me. They didn't know what they were going to face. Y'all listening? They didn't have any instructions as to where to go at that point. All right? So actually, what God is saying here, what the Holy Spirit is saying here, is that you have to rely on me totally. At every turn, you've got to rely on me. So, so God wants us to be at a place of total reliance on him. Total reliance. Total reliance. We ought to trust God completely. We have to rely on God completely. Not the flesh. Because we are so accustomed to dealing with our ability. We deal with our education. We've been taught to do things. All right? We know how to read, and we can look up words in Scripture, but when it comes to spiritual things, you can't rely on your education. You got to rely on the Holy Ghost. You need the Lord's leaders. You need the Lord's guidance. You need the Lord's leadership and the Lord's guidance. God doesn't want you relying on your common sense. Your common sense will lead you wrong. Somebody say, my common sense will lead me wrong. We ought to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. I want to be one of your sons, Lord. I want to be led by your Spirit. So, so I want you to know that every Sunday I get ready, before I get ready to preach, I'm asking God, God, what is it that you want to say to your people? God, what is it? What is it? What is your message for your people? Because I don't have a message. I don't have a message for you. But God has a message for you. And I want to know what God has to say so I can tell you what the Lord communicates with me. Got to rely on God. Sometimes we don't know what it's going to look like. There have been times I didn't know what I was going to preach until I stood in the pulpit. There have been places I've gone. I didn't know what to expect. I had to rely on God. There's some things facing me now that the Lord is saying, do. I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's not my business to know what it's going to look like. God wants me to rely totally on him. You know what Ecclesiastes 11 and 4 says? It says, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Or as another translation puts it, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. 
If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. How many of you saw the clouds yesterday? Dark clouds were over York. It looked like it was going to pour down rain. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. How many of you rely on the weatherman to tell you what's going to happen? Sleep's going to fall. Ice going to fall. Then I start getting calls on Saturday morning. Pastor, we're having church tomorrow. Y'all know y'all do it. Some of y'all do it. And you know what my answer is. Yes, we are having worship. Unless Sunday morning. God wants us to rely on him. He wants us not to rely on physical things. He doesn't want us relying on flesh. He does not want us relying on our intellect. Rely on him. It is not for us to know every detail. It's for us to trust him. You're going to ask somebody else for advice. Make sure they're walking with the Lord. Because you want somebody who's praying. You want somebody who's asking God. My son called me the other day. He said, Dad, you know, I got this offer for this new job, and it's just wonderful. I said, son, first of all, we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to seek God. Before I, I said, before I tell you anything, we need to pray about this. We need to wait and hear from God. Because I could say, oh, yeah, that sounds wonderful. Jump on it. How many people have moved up on their jobs and made the wrong decisions? See, God, but it's never, when you talk to someone else, that's never a substitute for you going to God for yourself and seeking God for yourself. And remember, everything God tells you is going to line up with his work. Because you are put in this earth realm for the work of the Lord. God is not going to tell you to move to California just so you can have a good job. It's going to line up with his work. It's going to line up with his work. That's your assignment. So as we shift, every shift is made. It's going to line up with his work. Line up with this work. We're shifters of the kingdom. It's critical that we follow the, the instructions in the scriptures so that we see God's face. We know our assignment. We fast. We pray. We minister to the Lord so that the Holy Spirit can speak to us. And we line up with the work of God. That's what it's about, saints. That's what it's about. It's about the work of the Lord. Your life should be characterized by the work of the Lord. You, Pastor, you mean to tell me God doesn't want me to have a good time in life? Yes, he does. In his work. How many of us have a good time doing the work of the Lord? We have a good time in fellowship. You know, we have a good time on the mission field. Some of y'all think I, people say I go to the mission field and all I do is work. That's not the truth. I do my work. But we have a good time. We laugh. We joke. We go see the animals. Some people want to test the animals. Where the animals are. But we have fun. Because in God's work, there is fun. In the fellowship of believers, there is fun. Good, clean fun. I mean, we can have fun with one another. 
So, so, so even in the work, even in the work, and even in the worship, we can have fun. Yeah, we can, we can, we can, we can. After the worship, we can, we can laugh about hair falling off people's heads and stuff. <laughs> We can have fun. Vandis Brown said to me last night, she said, Bishop, I ain't seen that move before. I said, well, it wasn't choreographed. We can have fun. Are y'all hearing me? Some of the best laughs I've had has been in the church. Yes, Lord. We're not laughing at each other. We're laughing with each other. Because it's the joy of being in the Lord and understanding where you came from, what you've been through, what the devil tried to do to you, and now you've been set free, and now you're in a fellowship of believers. You can enjoy God. Don't let anybody tell you that being a Christian is not fun. It's fun. It's fun. In the midst of all your heartaches and your trials and your tribulations, it's fun. When you got a brother or sister you can go through when you're going through trials and tribulations, that's joy. I mean, when you get through it, you can look back and laugh at some of the stuff you went through and some of the stuff you said and wonder, how in the world did I get to that place? It's fun. It's fun. Amen. Embrace. Embrace the shift. Embrace the shift. Now, going forward, you want to hear more about this. You need to come. If you're part of Tabernacle of Praise, you need to come. All right? You need to be accountable if you can't come, to listening to the messages. You listening to me? Be accountable. Take the time to listen to what God is saying to the body because God is going to speak in this body concerning this shift. If you're not a part of TOP and you don't have anywhere to be a part of, we welcome you if the Lord is sending you to come and be a part of this ministry. You need to be covered. You need to be spiritually covered. You need to be connected, and you need to be a place where you can be accountable. Oh, let me say this, too, because, you know, and, and this was brought out last night. This is important. TOPraise.org. If you're not here, make sure your tithes and offerings are here. That's important. Givelify. All right? I can be an African Go to give the five. Make sure that my, my tithes, my offerings are here. You can be in, as long as you got the internet, be accountable. So, I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking to you. Those who, who don't come often, you need to make it your business this year to be accountable because the shift will affect you and it will affect your household. You need to be here. You can't be here. Listen to the messages. You want to hear what God has to say. You want to make sure that, 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 that you're praying along with us. There's no reason on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock more people can't be on the prayer call. I know some people are working, but some people are just doing something, watching your favorite TV show, or just not interested. Even if you don't say anything, 
is corporate prayer. It's for the body of believers. Get on the call. Men, join in with the devotional. There's no reason for you not to be connected unless you don't have a cell phone. Get connected. Be accountable. That's embracing the shift. The church moved because they ministered to the Lord and they fasted. They sought the Lord. They prayed. And the Holy Spirit spoke. What is God speaking to you today? Throughout these, these two nights of convocation, have you reflected on what the Lord said? Amen. Amen. Let's stand. So as we stand today,